Hey, everybody. I'm Phil. Uh, this is Out of Our League. We have Al the Predator Tribesman, Caesar Towers. <laughs> Gage, GF2 Cool. He's not and then we have, what's that? He's not here. He's I know, but, but he's on the ones and twos. So we got we to shout him out. Thank you. <laughs> and then we have our special guest, Ryan Colt Levy. Is this the Hello, second friend. time we forgot about Ben? Who? Yes. <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, I, thought you, I thought you were doing it to miss with me, Phil. <laughs> Please be excited. And of course, the wonderful. What was his name again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, you know, Ben, please be excited. What's that? Wonderful. Can you please write your name out really quick? I just need to make sure. <laughs> Can you send it to me in, was a, in a DM real quick? <laughs> um, that was like watching ballet in motion. Third <laughs> professional. <laughs> so, watching us uh, do ballet because that makes sense. We always start the show uh, with a little bit of. Uh, and I just want to say, Ryan, you're pretty good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we are officially in snake territory. Right <laughs> we just like to I do that. Ready for the ASMR. That was great. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I just want to say before we uh, start the show, I want to hijack the show really quick. It has to do with Ryan, obviously. But uh, Gage is where I'm going to start. Uh, sharing my screen. I was looking okay. into Ryan. Thank you. I, I was looking into Ryan just like before we talked to him, and I looked up Ryan Colt Levy on YouTube. Uh, I was just going through it, no. and I was just like, <laughs> I was like that, "That's weird." Okay, sure. Uh, just keep going. Just keep going. What's this? <laughs> Wait, I just really lazy. Can't see whatever it is that you're trying to show for some reason. Oh, I have to. Do I have to hit watch stream? Yeah, hit watch stream. Hold on. Let me see. It's look. <laughs> what is this? No. Oh, I see what's going on here. So, this this came up when I searched up Brian Cole. <laughs> yep. Okay. And this came up too. And what's your association <laughs> with Baby Shark? <laughs> Oh god! I just uh, I, that, I just want to get this out of the way first. What's your yeah, yeah, no, sure. What's your history uh, with Baby Shark? That's really funny. Um, so that is because of um, I it's it's in the audio of of that. It's the it's the singing and all that goofy stuff. I uh, I worked with a company called Pinkfong, who they did the the Baby Shark song and all that stuff. And um, I had. Late last year, I had worked with them on a bunch of different songs and things like educational stuff for kids. Um, his voiceover is a very broad, you know, line of work. So a lot of people, they think it's just like video games or anime or whatever it is that they're, you know, focused on at the moment. But I mean, it's it's all over the place. So this was just a gig that I had happened to book um, and it was the thing that like originally was just going to be like one session kind of thing, like do a couple of songs. And uh, it wasn't originally for that. It was for 
like these like cats and all these other kind of critters like singing songs about like all kinds of stuff around the world traveling like food around the world clothes around the world and very like super young kid songs really fun um and then they just kind of kept bringing me back for more gigs and then one day they like they were like all right this is the next thing you're working i was like these are the baby shark lyrics like what is like and it was <laughs> And it was also catered to washing your hands because it was like right at the beginning of, and it was so weird and like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, and then it came out and it like exploded all over. It was like, like Time Magazine, like all these things picked it up. I was like, this is so bizarre. So did you record Baby Shark or were you just the wash your hands version of it? Oh, I didn't record the original. No, no, no. The original, that was, that was a couple of years ago at this point. And that was, yeah. you know, um, because I was wondering, like, yeah, you've been with Pink Funk for a while. If you recall, no, no, no. It's only been it's only <laughs> been like maybe a year that I like since I first had started working with them. At this point now, um, super cool, fun people to work with, and like, yeah, very unusual. I had the same reaction when they when they were like, "This is what you work on next." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you announced it on Twitter, Ryan. I was <laughs> so excited because I knew what that was. I haven't known. <laughs> And all he ever watches is Pink Fong. And I was like, now I get to tell him that I know one of the guys that does the voices on Pink Fong. Dude, that is he so awesome. Respect. Like, he honestly did, like, looked at me completely differently. And now you get to say that you actually friends with had the a Pink Fong guy. You know what? Yeah, you it's actually really had him on funny. a show. It, it, what? What'd you say? I said, now you get to say you had a, you were on a show with him. Yeah, you talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's, it's wild because, like, I. I am genuinely so proud of being able to do that stuff because, you know, like I grew up on Raffi and all that kind of stuff. Like I was that kid who listened to those kinds of songs, you know, so to be able to contribute, even if it's just a tiny piece to kids at that age now growing up, like that's a cool full circle thing. And to know that there are actually kids out there really watching this stuff, because like I didn't know Fong, you know, I, I don't have any nieces or nephews or kids or anything. So I don't, I didn't know about them until I started working for them. So it was cool to see that they have real outreach and um, yeah, it's like get hit up from people all the time. They're like, yeah, my, my, you know, my little kid likes watching this, this video. I'm like, that is such a surreal thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, yep. Usually celebrities have to wait until they're much older and they have kids and then they go into like making Disney movies or Appearing right yeah yeah Street. yeah and they're like i want to make you have that kid. nailed now yeah. you have it down so yeah now i'm just gonna go in the other direction <laughs> real extreme like real violent right away <laughs> have you have you ever been in a situation where something like that either came on or was played or someone was like hey check this thing out that didn't know that you were a part of it not yet not yet but i i that would be a trippy thing like i it's i, I think you know just just because i mean i'm still very much like you know a small fry and, and very much new in so many ways to the industry um that i feel like i've you know all my friends and family and anyone who kind of is like knows what i'm doing i've really when i'm allowed to talk about stuff i'm i'm really loud about it because i'm just so excited and uh you know for the most part people are pretty aware of of whatever i've worked on because i'm like you should probably check this out i <laughs> shove it down their throats <laughs> Um, but I have definitely like, I mean, like final fantasy was, was a funny thing, like doing final fantasy remake. Cause like, 
I didn't have any characters that were like, you know, this is the guy, you know, like this is some big main character and just easily point out to people. But having like, you know, 12 or 13 different characters all over that game. And I still have friends who are like, you know, picking it up now months later and playing through it. And they're like, have you, you know, have you played this yet? And I'm like, totally, you should, you should like run into this area. And like, you know, like, so like there's, I, I have that a little bit, but you no, know, not like, uh, not to the extreme. That would be surreal. Yeah, what was that process uh, like working on Final Fantasy Remake? It must have been amazing. Oh, dude, it was so cool. I mean, it was it's one of those weird things where jobs of that nature, unless unless you are unless you book ahead of time a character that you're aware like you're going to be going in to work on, these projects, if you're going in to do like NPC work or you know, certain things of that nature, they don't need to disclose anything to you until you are literally recording like in the session so i had no idea what the job was until i was there um i just knew that it was something that was going to be cool i knew it was a video game and i knew that it was like you know i knew like the bare minimum stuff but it was a working title it was all kinds of you know just like misinformation and then you get in there and i'm a huge I mean, you guys know I'm a big game nerd. I love Final Fantasy. Like, it's all very personally, you know, a big deal to me. So, you know, I'm one of those guys, especially this time it was safe to go in studio. So, you know, you chat with the engineer, you say hi to the director. It's all just kind of getting to know the people you're about to jam with. And uh, I get myself situated and they like go in the other room and they turn the monitor on. And I'm kind of like looking at the, the script and it's just like, you know, I'm just kind of digesting all this stuff but I immediately see cloud and Midgar. Like I just see these words and I, my body just like, you know, <laughs> instantly. Yeah. And I was like, be cool, be cool, be cool. Um, when a project uh, like that is presented, like is that given to you by like an agency or like how did you come across the listing for that? I, um, that was actually before I had an agent. I I, um, I booked that originally. Um, a lot. I mean, I only, I've only been, uh, with the with my agents recently in in the last five months six months uh, other than that I was doing everything before that by myself um, I you know it's one of those weird things where like I didn't really plan for this at all like in so many weird ways I've always been an actor I've always been obsessed with film and storytelling and video games and all of this stuff but Growing up, it was a. I grew up in New York, and I grew up kind of like thinking it was theater and film bust because it was a different time, also. And by the time I was like twelve years old, I was playing guitar. I was, you know, doing all this kind of stuff that I felt was much more hands-on that I was in control of. And I was still doing plays and theater and going to acting classes and stuff, but it felt like. I didn't know how to break into acting for real at that age in, you know, in New York, none of my friends and family were actually in the industry or knew anybody. So there was no real understanding of even how to do it. But music was a thing that was immediate. I was like, I can literally tell my friend to pick up a bass and my other friend to play the drums. And like, we got a band and like, there we go. So that became, sorry. No, nothing was about you. 
I love bad jokes. No, I was yeah, just like, like you, you're, you're like, I can give my friend the bass and tell my other friends to get the drums. And you're like, it's a band. I was like, well, it's not going to sound great at first. You know, they don't know what they're doing. You just gave, oh, yeah. no, you it, just gave poor Tommy a bass. It doesn't, <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't funny. Tommy, Tommy was the name of, uh, Tommy was the name of my last drummer. Uh, but it's, <laughs> he really could have funny thing is like, yeah. Well, what's amazing is that, is that they actually, my, my first few friends that I, that I, forced into it actually we're not awful we you know we weren't great but it was it was amazing uh to like see that it actually kind of worked but it ended up becoming a thing where like i really ended up having a music career for almost 20 years and it wasn't like full-on glamour but it was you know recording touring you know doing all kinds of crazy shows and everything was very much like on our own terms and that kind of led me way off path of ever pursuing acting full-on because didn't feel like it made sense to invest you can't invest yourself a hundred percent in two things like that that are so diametrically like in need of so much effort and time and focus and everything and um so i chose the band you know because we were i felt like i owed it to them i owed it it was like we were a unit i couldn't just be like later guys so it it became this thing that i just stopped thinking about acting as a real option for a career and it wasn't until we moved out to Los Angeles five years ago <clears throat> that I finally was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm in L.A. I may as well just, you know, start submitting myself to open casting calls, like very like bottom of the barrel, extra work, cattle call, like, you know, the the most entry level thing I could, you know, get on my own scraps, because that was all I knew that I could, you know, access at that point. And it was like, you know, I did all the things that you're supposed to do as cheesy as they are. You know, you get a headshot, you do all the things and you're like, put yourself up. There were different websites, um, LA casting actors, access all these different websites that, you know, are great places for actors to find work at the start, commercial work, some voiceover work on camera, all different kinds of stuff. I mean, now it's obviously a weird time, but that was, that's how you, you know, you get a start completely on your own. And, that led me to getting extra work, getting commercial work. And little by little, I was just building a resume. A lot of it was just saying yes to, you know, whatever jobs I could get, whether it was auditions that led to things or whatever. And none of it was like cool or glamorous or things that I think most actors like pursuing the craft would think like, yeah, like this is what I want to do. But I was like, I've worked so many jobs my whole life that I hate like this is a cakewalk if i could do any of this and get paid for it oh my god that's great and i can learn so for me it was all like educate myself about set etiquette about the process like if i was an extra if i was going to be there for 13 hours that's 13 hours for me to digest how the set needs to be run how the ad is doing like i can just soak that all up you know so, so uh my question to you is because i know being a musician were you a singer, by the way? Were you a yeah, singer? Or... Yeah. So you did a lot of vocal work. Do you think yeah. having done all that vocal work puts you at a slight advantage? Because I know I've For heard sure. people like Rob Paulson brings up all the time. If you're going to be a voice actor, you need to know how to sing. Yeah. Well, I think I. You know what it is? I don't know if it's needing to know how to sing, but I think it's. I or definitely. Like you need to be able to like if you're going to do like a wacky voice or like that, you need to be able to sing in that voice or whatever. Well, I think it's it's more the things 
with singing that have really worked in my favor are it's like breath control it's understanding diaphragm it's understanding how to like use my body as an instrument without wearing it out because i was in hardcore bands where i would scream for hours you know i was in i've been in every kind of band you could think of so like my my voice and my throat and all of and my diaphragm have been through so many different layers of stretching and it's like i think about it very much like it's going to the gym and you know you're constantly needing to keep something in in shape like you can you can be a a weightlifter but if you take you know two years off of going to the gym like you're gonna have to start you know from the bottom again to some degree so i think to me it was like you know acting is 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 such a is the essential part of voice acting the other part is using your voice as an instrument and making sure that it's healthy and can be used and not worn out if you have a session where you have to you know do efforts or scream for x amount of time or whatever and then maybe you have a session the next day or whatever it is like you have to be able to know your body and your strength and and keep that safe and secure but the other part of it is like the last thing that i approach to any of this stuff with is like voice first you know like i never think about like a wacky voice or a silly thing or like how do i approach this like from an external place it's always based on like what is the story saying what is the character what is the thing that it's it's asking of you because that's going to dictate really what's coming out of your body you know you can you can adjust your voice for age or all the different things once you've like found the actual character but i think that that's really what i've always been a dork for acting and like that's what i brought in kind of from both fields from being a musician and from really just loving acting and theater and like full on you know still i mean even right before the pandemic i was going to improv and scene study classes and you know doing plays with with uh friends and all kinds of stuff it was it's something i'm a real nerd for so even in the realm of like even when you're doing anime and it's like you know it's a real quick process like i'm still trying to find you know the emotional depths in those moments and it's like as dorky as it sounds like that's where i really kind of get off you know so it's also the voice and more about the act- the acting for you. For sure. Because the voice yeah. is always going to show up one way or the other. And, and, you know, a lot of the time, intention is more important than, you know, than how you say a thing. Like, you can say the same word a million different ways, but how it comes out creates a whole perception from the other person, right? Like, you can say, I love you. 10 different times and like you know you'll react to it differently however many you know how i say it those 10 times so i think that like so much of it is what is your character going through what is you know who are they and and then the voice comes from there it's like it's like hello versus hello exactly like that's just those two options you instantly get a whole other human you know like you there's a whole story in the way that you just say that yeah, that's awesome. That's fascinating. Um, speaking of the pandemic, uh, for people that may be kind of interested in voice work or becoming a voice actor, do you think, um, without thinking about the pandemic now, uh, the way it was before, do you think that someone pursuing that would want to move to like New York, Texas, or LA um, to be like to pursue voice acting or uh, acting in general? Um like as in pandemic aside 
Yeah, like if the pandemic didn't exist, we'll, we'll go into the pandemic in just a minute. Okay, I, I, but, I see what you're saying. Pandemic yeah, yeah. outside, yeah, as if it didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, there's there are different elements to it. Like, I think, you know, Texas, for sure, is, is very specific to dubbing and, and like that part of that voice work, you know, world. Um acting at large i mean new york is very theater heavy a lot of film too but far more like if you want to do theater go to new york um and la's got some some great theater too but it's far more on the independent side like you know new york is where broadway and off broadway are really that's that's where you really want to go and sink your teeth into it um but la in general is like you know for film for voice work for all i mean it's the entertainment station you know it is it is it's one of those things that's just so apparent when you get here is like you know, living in New York, the billboards you see, like the occasional movie billboard or this or that or whatever, you know, but you see so many different kinds of advertisements for things. You come to L.A. and you feel like the whole place is catered around entertainment, whether it's music or film. It's everything here is based off of that being like what the culture is. So you know almost everyone you come in contact with is some form of creative person whether they're successful at it or actually working or just aspiring doesn't matter but you throw a rock and like someone's here for that reason or has been here for that reason like every single person you know in my radius of living is you know an actor a photographer a whatever you know and maybe they work normal jobs too but it's it's definitely the place to come and really go for the thing but it's not cheap to live here it's intense competition you know for all those reasons it's like everyone's coming here to do the thing and just like anything if you aren't willing to put in a thousand percent and like you know realize that it's not fair you know there is no one way in there's no one answer all roads are different for everyone and that there is no guarantee and you know like there's so many things that you kind of have to like acknowledge that it is just a crazy or what you know it doesn't matter how talented you are whatever um but you know if you want to do it and no one's going to stop you like it's the place to be so uh going back to like the games and television how significantly different are they voicing between games and tv and which one do you prefer more uh. oh man it's uh well as far as like tv like for for like animation and like dubbing and kind of stuff yeah. like that versus um there's they're similar and different in a lot of ways it depends um like say final fantasy 7 remake and uh jojo's bizarre adventure so to speak like comparing those different two. because of the actual like recording process um excuse me hiccup um yeah. <laughs> the a lot of it just comes down to like actual process that the that you go through whether it's like with with most anime it's it's basically the same thing where you're you're going to be working to picture because you're you know it's a finished season already of something that you're working on so you'll generally when you're dubbing anime it's like you'll see the scene that they're doing so it may be a line or two <clears throat> so they'll play you the scene once like in a preview you'll see where your cue is going to drop in, but you'll be seeing it all in Japanese and you'll have your line. And then, you know, they'll beep you in on the, on the 
next round, which is the actual recording round, and you'll do your take. So you kind of get a sense like you get these little sound bites as you're recording of like, here's this moment, here's the emotional beat, here's the line, like this is where you're at right at this moment, like, and now go. So it's cool because you get to be put into this headspace, even if it's quickly, you get a sense of like, okay, I know what I got to do, boom. Um, with certain games, depending on what you're doing, you're probably not working to picture because they're either X amount in development or whatever, or you know, unless you are a character in a cutscene or something like you, maybe you're working off an animatic or something if you're in a cutscene. But most likely, if you're just doing like wild lines, like as NPCs, you're just working off of a script. And it's more about fitting timing. Um, that is just a matter of like, so that they can place them in certain areas within the code of the game, like the way that it's just designed. So the performance is like, um, uh, Oddly enough, like for, for Genshin Impact, it was different than Final Fantasy, where Final Fantasy, you had to have a lot more like within this time frame, you can make this line fit, but it has to fit X, Y, Z, either slower, longer, whatever. Genshin Impact, um, we didn't necessarily have to adhere to um, the timing so you can just perform the line and then if it's a matter of like all right we need to speed that up or slow that down you can you know we got to adjust but actually recording it was much more free form so it it's kind of different all the time and then like live action dubbing which is a whole other side of dubbing that a lot of people don't realize happens is a whole other kind of weird element because you have to if you're cast in any role for a live action thing it's because you're your voice just kind of makes sense coming out of this person's body because with animation and stuff, obviously there's a huge leeway of what can stretch with who voices what. But if let's say any of you guys needed to voice match anybody else in this chat, you know, like imagine having to like dub someone else and like find a way to make your voice sound natural coming out of the other person's body. So it's that kind of a thing where you have to account for like, this has to sound like a real person. This can't create that detachment. And you also have to focus more on the moments in between the lines. You won't necessarily be just doing a line and a line and a line because in animation, there are sound elements, there are sound cues. You know, if someone's getting punched, it's it's in the audio of like, a, you know, but in a live action thing, if we have to, you know, redub getting hit or something, we have to put that, you know, in the actual performance you know i'll be like kissing know. my hand and doing all kinds of weird shit so, i didn't know that that's interesting it's yeah, wild. So one one thing to just kind of uh go into for just a moment uh when you talk about dubbing over a film we're not necessarily talking about like a foreign film that came over here and is getting dubbed what we're, what he's i believe you're talking about is when like for example in logan the scene when Hugh Jackman is running through the forest, he actually had to go into an ADR lab and redo all the sounds for that scene while watching it, all the grunts and stuff. Um, like, so he, when he's running um, through that. So forest. it's actually, it's you're 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 right, but it's actually both. Um, yeah, because it is actually the same. Yeah, uh, I've done I've done ADR stuff like that where I've had to go voice match another actor for like a film. Um, and like, you know, put in their, their body motion and stuff, but it's exactly the same as having to dub a foreign film. Like there's tons of stuff I've done for, for Netflix that are German, Russian, French, all these different shows. 
And it's that same thing where like, you know, you have to put the physical movements into it and it's really trippy. I actually, it's mm. funny, one of the first jobs that I ever did uh, for, for Netflix was a, a dub for this show called um, Costa del Sol. It was, it was Drug Squad, Costa del Sol. It's really cool show from Spain, like really cool, like 70s kind of like, kind of silly, goofy, like gangsters and cops and like, you know, pretty fun show. Um and there was a scene where my character had to like frantically run across a beach. And we had to do it a few times because it's one of those things where because it's a real person, you want to match all of the strides. You want to like really fit it. Mm. So, so you know give you a really advanced microphone <laughs> and put you on a beach and they're like just <laughs> no, well, well, well the it's not a, it's not the environment but it is like you know if i have to run <laughs> you know like whatever it is and you if you're watching the movement you're just you're just you know finding it but you do that enough times and you really put yourself into it you get really lightheaded so like you know <laughs> you know you could, like, you'd be amazed at how like weirdly like physical it can get i just like the image of a voice actor just being like <laughs> just like just like sit back relax all the guys just like running well it like, never it, well that's the thing is it's never gonna look like that because no, we're i know actually like, gonna look you know the weirdest part is like because you can't let your feet leave the ground you know because you can't be yeah. stomping around but i will be swinging my arms and doing all that kind of stuff so i'll look like uh you know is it t 1000 or whatever and terminate like you know i'll be doing this <laughs> you know like i'll because it's all physical gestures so like I, I actually never record sitting down because I, I find that like one, it compresses your diaphragm and two, I find that like I just instantly become lethargic if I'm sitting doing anything and like I don't want to be like passive with this stuff, especially if you're doing something where you have to like, you know, anime scream or something like you don't want to be like, ah, you know, <laughs> you want to get up in that. Is that sucker, a challenge? You know? Is that a challenge that I can do that right now? <laughs> don't hurt yourself oh, I, won't. I won't hurt everybody else <laughs> you know this reminds me of uh, fantastic mr fox i don't know if you know this but they I went out there with boom mics and the actors like doing all the actions and that's how they recorded all the uh vo for that i wonder if you oh, had interesting. if you ever and had the audio in that like movie that. is fantastic yep they must have they must have uh, they probably though i'm assuming what they did was that was like a base recording for animatic i'm assuming Maybe. that they did that and then they probably went back and adr'd it in like an actual booth because there's no way you wouldn't have all of that atmosphere sound and everything like 90 percent of actual movies you wouldn't you would be amazed at how much is actually adr'd like when you if you're actually on a film set think about like even if they're like quiet on the set and you're outside and there's a hundred people at, like no matter what you have to, you know, fix that. That's why like I I've done ADR for, for films where it's like you go in and it's like the scene is like, you know, dudes in a quiet space that for no reason should, you know, their audio be bad. And it's, you know, boom mic and everything and the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta fix this audio. You know, it's, it happens so often. So I think it's um, – I would assume that's how they did it, but that's super cool. Have you ever, have you ever had something to where, like, 
you're called in to do something because the actor wasn't available and you got to go in and just like do like a breathing or something like that's yeah. similar yeah <laughs> recently i've had to do it recently because of covid uh because they've had actors where like they'll do things where they'll get someone to voice match because right now people are quarantined in different states and all kinds of stuff like so they're like yeah we can't we literally just couldn't get the guy you know um and it's interesting because I never thought of myself as someone who would end up doing gigs like that because I always assumed it was like, you know, you hear of like Nolan doing uh, uh, Christopher Walken and stuff like that. And like, I don't think of myself as like the impressionist guy. Like, I'm not going to be that dude. So it's weird when they're like, oh, yeah, we just need a voice match for this normal part, <laughs> you know, like is this normal guy in a movie. You're like, oh, I guess that does fit. Is it for Final Fantasy Remake 2? Are you just <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead? No, no, no. I was just gonna ask a question from uh, Kamel. Do you enjoy playing antagonistic roles like Squallow, or what kind of roles do you prefer to like play? Oh, or man. want to play, or want to play it also? It's I I like doing it all. You know, it's weird because I I never. It is that weird thing where a lot of the time I get to play against type because I always end up being bad guys in animated stuff, you know, to some degree or like, like, you know, not necessarily like villains all the time, but like more of the sassy, the sassy dudes. Um, Perfect. Which is always fun. Yeah. The thing about being bad guys and sassy dudes and all that is like, they're so much fun, you know, they just get to do all the juicy, crazy things and they're, they're playful, you know, it's like there's a reason everybody loves the Joker. You know, it's not because he's a bad guy. It's because he's having the best time at the party. And, you know, as cool as Batman is, like, he's the he's the stick in the mud. Like, if you had your choice, who would you rather play, you know? And I think that's ultimately something, like, I'm grateful I get to do that. But, you know, at the same time, I would love to... I would love to get the chance to like, you know, play a nice guy <laughs> or like, you know, it's weird at the same time, like the beautiful thing about voiceover that I, I often think about is like, you could play a donut, like, you know, you can play a stapler, like you could, like, it's limitless. And that's what's so exciting is like, what does a doorknob sound like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing. I'm sorry, Phil and I were laughing. You just said Joker and Phil has a great Joker impression. And I, I saw him for like 30 seconds. Most he was just trying to do it. No, no, I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I was like, <laughs> I could tell you exactly who I wanted to be. Okay. I like that. I, I just saw him for like 30 <laughs> seconds just like... <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take this sign. Anytime I see you lean towards the microphone like that, I'll just I'll I'll prepare. <laughs> it's just it's just don't hold back. Time. Whenever no, whenever you have one, don't hold back, please. <laughs> it's always you. You say you're not an impressionist, but do you have like a go-to voice? That like, if somebody was like, no, I don't. We need. I really don't. X character. I. Yeah, it's weird. I don't because I never. I think I, I always grew up around people who were like, I do a great walk-in or like, I do like everybody wants to be that guy. So yeah, I always electively, exactly. So I always electively have done the opposite where I'm just like, I'm not going to focus on, you know, trying to, to be that guy. Cause like, there's so many people who are so good at that. Like I know a lot of actors who are like really, really top tier can just morph their voice into another human 
And then some people are also like, some people are already like set voice matches for some people. Like, you know, there's a Seth Rogen, there's a Jack Black, like all these guys, like there are people who sound exactly like them when you play video games with them in it, when you play, you know, when you watch commercials with them in it, 90% of the time, it's not even them. And it's just, it's that thing, you know, cause like they don't have the time or whatever. Um, the, so the guy it's that, trippy. The guy that does um, Clone Wars for uh, Obi-Wan, um, his oh, voice uh, for, um, why am I, why am I blanking on his name right now? Yeah, I am, I am too. He's he's tremendous. Ewan McGregor, is that the one? Hey, Ewan McGregor, thank you. But yeah, the guy who the guy who does his voice in Clone Wars is phenomenal. Uh, the... Yeah, um, I'm spacing on his name. He's a great actor. He's a great great, and he does a ton of stuff. He does yeah. so much stuff outside uh, of, of Obi Wan that you'd be like, thank you, James Arnold Taylor. And he's been around for a long time, man. He's been kicking ass for a while. One of my favorite, one of my favorite like voice matching instances is the voice match for Woody from Toy Story. Is Tom Hanks's brother, and I think that I think exactly. that's really funny. Yeah. It looks like he does like he does all the Kingdom Hearts games. You know, he's he he's all like you know Tom. Oh, kitty, you know. Uh, <laughs> Tom Tom Hanks isn't going to be you know yeah. recording Kingdom Hearts. He doesn't need to. I just think that's really funny that he's like not only like the less famous brother. But he has to do the roles that his brother is just like, no, nah, I won't do it. You do it. Like, <laughs> but it's like it's so not a like hat. Like he's talk about a win. Well, yeah. Like he gets to he gets to do all that stuff. Get and paid, live in have a blast. Yeah, yeah, and gets to like go about his day. Like so cool. Be awesome. Is there a dream franchise you want to be a part of, or do you want to do something new? And I, it's like both, that goes for you know, yeah, it, that goes for anything, whether it's games, shows, or TV. It's both. I've always, always, always been a huge Blade Runner fan. Um, so any chance to somehow be a part of Blade Runner, I think, would would be a dream in any capacity. I've always just that's just like you know, as much as I've loved Star Wars and all these things, like that's my Star Wars. You know, as far as wanting to be a part of something. Um, as far as like working with certain people, I mean, you know, it's cliche, but like Kojima, I mean, would be the dream because he's just so forward stretching and bizarre and kind of, you never quite know exactly what his mind is going to bring next. And I, I just really love, I love people that kind of think and work that way. Uh, like Denny Villeneuve, the filmmaker, um, you know, I love the Coen brothers and Paul Thomas Anderson. And like, there's a, I'm, I'm a real dork when it comes to this stuff. So like, I have a lot of, a lot of long-term goals that, you know, I would love to get back into on-camera stuff when it's safe again and, and work towards those things too. Um, still a ton of like, you know, video game franchises and things I would love to be a part of, but it's an interesting gig where like, especially at my stage, the last thing I get to do is, is, choose what you know i get to be a part of I, I i'm lucky that i'm i i have a great agent and i get to audition for awesome stuff and I'm, I'm working on really cool things already like i'm grateful to have been part of dream projects already um and a big part of it is like i i don't even worry about like foolishly being like I plan on doing this. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like everything is exciting. <laughs> you, get, you never know what's around the corner. You can get, yeah. Yeah, well, and it, and it's also like, you know, 
there's always something new that is so exciting around the corner. There's always some young creative, some new storyteller, some weird, you know, indie game, or like some of my favorite video game experiences of the last few years have been, you know, far from AAA, you know? So there are so many kind of like, I would love to work with night school studio. Like there's so many cool people that do dope, dope games. Like oxen free was, was like extraordinary. You know, there's, there's a lot of, of, amazing creativity now in the unknown so i'm i'm really kind of just excited to be able to be in the soup <laughs> and with that that leads into what we were going to kind of delve into a little bit and that's with the pandemic have you found it easier or harder to find voice work you know it's crazy for me i'm very 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 grateful it's been easier for me um because I had spent a long time before the pandemic working with a lot of different studios and, and building up my my career um, so that by the time I had to hunker down at home, I already had really great working relationships. I had finally gotten an agent. Um, so, uh, you know, at this point, I'm working consistently every week. You know, I'm, I'm really very lucky that I, I get to do what I love, especially now, like, it is not lost on me how fortunate I am, not just to be able to do it, period, in this, but also I know how fierce the competition is, how high the volume of people are doing this stuff, and to be able to continuously do it is is just, like, a crazy blessing. Um, so I've been really lucky. I, I find that, like, I've actually, I think I've been busier now than I've ever been, which is wild, but I don't know if that's just also because... It's all from home and all I have is time to like just keep the momentum rolling. You know, I I I am happy to just keep jumping on things and working on things and sinking my teeth into stuff. So I think, you know, I make that clear and I'm like, hey man, I'm down to party if someone else is. So, you know, <laughs> I'm around. <laughs> um, how has it been uh having to do production aspects of the work? Like how long did it take you to get used to setting up your uh, equipment and everything? And how was that as a challenge? Was it? It's been trippy. It's been interesting for sure. Like part of it uh, kind of goes back to the music days where I'm really grateful that a lot of the bass stuff, like recording software and, and microphones and interfaces, like the bare, you know, basic stuff that I really need just to do voiceover, I was already familiar with because I was using them for singing and stuff. And, you know, for years we were doing home projects this way as a band. So my big hurdle was like, I had to get a booth, you know, I had to get stuff cause I, I wasn't in any way fit to necessarily like full on record to ADR stuff like the way we have to now from home. And we were so used to, I, I live in a part of town where I can just walk to most of the studios. So I would just walk to my sessions all the time. And I never thought, I would need to hunker down like this until way later when I could like, you know, just, yeah, I'd buy a booth for fun to be able to have it at home. You know, now it's like a necessity. Um, the biggest yeah, hurdle was more like... Now it's not for fun anymore. Well, but it's, it's totally for fun, but it's like, oh, but yeah. it's, uh, it, you know, I'm grateful that it that it forced my hand because it's it's been so great having it and having to learn more and more of the stuff that I was never quite good at and become more tech savvy. And there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, it's more it's more like how we actually connect with the studios and 
do we record on our end? Do they, you know, like all those different elements that has been the most kind of learning curve. But this far in, I mean, you know, eight, nine months in, we started kind of getting back on our feet with studios recording, like almost immediately, like by, you know, mid, you know, late March, mid April, I was already working on projects again from home. So we've gotten collectively all the different studios and actors and everyone all kind of doing this from home have gotten so much better at streamlining the process that collectively, I think like the, the shorthand of language and understanding, like everyone's just getting better at it. So it's getting smoother and smoother, like every few weeks, it's cool. So with um, you talking about it getting more competitive, Ryan, previously, what sort of advice would you have for sort of more up and coming voice actors or people wanting to get into the industry? Um, I think, you know, the the most obvious one is the one that everyone, you know, preaches first, which is really, really focus on training, you know, really, really focus on becoming a strong actor. Uh, do not underestimate educating yourself, you know, on the craft and not just your element of the craft, but everybody else's job. Like you should know what a director does and what they expect of you. You should know what an engineer does. You should know what a casting director does. You should know how to, you know, know the know the industry at large. And I think most people, if you do love a thing that much, you're probably already dorking out enough to do that. Like that's what I do. I'm constantly still reading books, watching documentaries. Like my downtime is is basically what other people would just consider research. I just have fun. Um, so I think a really big part is like educating yourself and training and you know, there are amazing websites to learn from. Literally, I want to be a voice actor.com as as like silly as that sounds is probably the greatest resource for anybody starting from scratch, especially because it is uh, D Bradley Baker, the legend, it's his website. So it is and he's one of the kindest, most like giving people in this industry. So he is giving you like and it's like information from entry level to super advanced. Any question that you could theoretically have he's more or less answered there it's easy to get overwhelmed at the beginning i think uh when you look at the mountain of like what you assume the finished product is or at least the you know the working version of a you know consistently of an actor at that stage like don't worry about that part I, my my biggest form of advice of everything is take your time be kind to yourself take a deep breath love the journey like it took me a long time just to even figure out life and become like a person and enjoy what I was doing before I even remotely like got into this career. And I don't think I would have been able to do this in my twenties, just like emotionally. Like, I think I really needed to end up in my early thirties and like have this career happen in this right moment. And I think a lot of people are really concerned about like coming successful quick, which is never logical thing to to shoot for so you know take your time study love the thing and and let it happen it will happen at its own pace and in its own way and like you may find like some people i think you know don't realize how many different elements there are into doing it you know a lot of people like i do voices it's like well that's not the job you know it's like there's so many different so many different things i mean even with on camera stuff you know the amount of technical know-how and and understanding you have to have as an actor to even just go to an emotional place or to understand how to you know i mean scenes are shot in so many different formats and like 
you may be delivering, you know, uh, some really emotional monologue to what people assume is a character that they think is standing in the room with you. And really, you're just talking to a little red X that's on a camera <laughs> next to like Judy and Crafty. And like, you know, like there's all kinds of stuff that people don't take into consideration when they're looking at a finished product. So I think dig into it, educate yourself, learn the process and see if you actually like the, the work because you're going to be doing a lot more of the stuff that doesn't seem like fun and that has to be fun. Like if you're not enjoying doing the work, you're never going to enjoy the whole thing. Mm. So a couple things really quick. Uh, I would like to point out that Jim Cummings, uh, who you should know if you enjoy voice acting at all. You have the same agent. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, yeah. um, but I would like to say that he got started, you know, when he was 31. Yeah. Um, and so, like, he's one of the most prolific voice actors in the industry. Uh, and, you know, just to, to throw that out there for anyone that's thinking about it, he, he got started when he was 31. So, yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to be 34 in February. I just it's, turned 34. Hell yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Life is, life is so not about numbers. It's about where you are in your soul and your mind and like how prepared you are for a thing. And like, honestly, to be, to be a creative person in this day and age, you can't just be good at doing the thing that you're, you can do. You have to be able to communicate to people. You have to be able to be respectful and write a well-thought email. You have to understand when to get out of people's way. You have to understand so many different things that like for me, it took me a while to just be a fully formed human before I could even, you know, like find myself into a career of stuff that I loved. And I, I really think that not just even music helping me like physically, I think going through almost 20 years of like the music industry in every way, shape and form, warts and all, as ugly as it can get to as awesome as it can get, you know, I learned a lot of lessons about myself and about industry and about entertainment and about manipulation and all these things that like that stuff doesn't go away you know these industries are intense and weird and strange and they can play with your ego and your heart and you know you have to you have to be as sound as you possibly can be i think in those places first before you throw yourself into this like kind of both both a den of wolves and a beautiful koi pond you know it's, it's both yeah so i i can say that for me you know i i just got my first um paid thing not too long ago um yeah. and it, was, it was very small it, you know like nothing crazy obviously um, <laughs> yeah right um but uh you know, it that one success, um, you, no matter how small it was, still like chipped away at that idea of like maybe I can do this. Um, and Dude, that's it, after it's coming not a from... false success. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yeah, that that comes from you know like a lot of auditions where you know they got back to me and said, "Awesome, we'll keep you in mind." You know, oh hey, thank you for you know sending that in. And like you were saying earlier, you just you can't get discouraged. You have to keep going. And those small successes, it's this is a weird uh, uh, comparison, but it's kind of like Dark Souls, where you're trying <laughs> Life to is like Dark off, Souls, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and you keep dying, 
But once you beat that boss, it feels so good, right? Well, well, well you the know difference what? is in life you die once. So, but, but, but you know what? The, the thing, the truth is, the, the truth is, um, you know, so much of it. There's so many different reasons why a person may not book a job, and so much of it is often not because their performance isn't good. Like you'd be amazed at how many times you know, like it's it's a volume thing. It's there's a million variables as to when there is, you know, casting being done for a project. And like, you may have the perfect voice for a character, but maybe the person you play off of most of the project has a voice that they need someone else to have a different kind of timbre with. Like there's so many different elements where like, you might be a perfect actor, but they're like, shit, there's also this other guy and he fits a little bit better, you know? So, and that happens all the time. Most, I, I won't even say most, every single role that has ever been cast there are five other guys who've almost been that part because it's never just one person who could do it justice. So there's always one guy who just fits it the most, whether they're even the most opposite that you think or not, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you're the guy who shows up and you're exactly the opposite of what they had planned, but that's exactly what they didn't realize they needed. And therefore you become the guy. And the other thing is it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how successful you are currently or not, the amount of stuff that you audition for versus the amount of stuff you book is always going to look like this. Auditions you don't book, things you book. And that's <laughs> like the most and that's the most successful. That's just how it works. Like every week, the amount of auditions I put out there that I don't book, it's insane. But like to be able to just keep going and keep working. If I get to work once, you know, like if I book one thing a week, to me, that's a victory, you know, to be able to, and, and like what happens is you'll end up working a few, you know, you end up working for a week straight because of jobs that you've booked months later and all this stuff that end up get scheduling into place. Like I've booked gigs two months after I've auditioned for them and forgotten. I was like, oh my God, I totally thought that was already gone. You know, like I never thought that I'd get that. I figured that was out the window. And another part of it is, especially if you're getting, hey, we'll keep you in mind for other stuff and all that, you know, that is a huge, huge, huge sign of keep going because I'm, I'm telling you, like casting directors and all these people, like they're rooting for you. They're rooting for everyone. They don't, they're not going out of their way to be like, I hope this person sucks. You know, actors are supposed to be the solution to the problem. And if casting a project is, hey, we've got a week to cast this thing that's a week that they have to deal with that shit you like you're like i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring if you do or don't get it cool or not cool but to them they're like we need to find somebody holy shit like we need to find somebody you know so it's the kind of thing where like they're all in way more pressure than the actors are the actors put all the pressure on themselves and and all the dismissiveness and all the ego we do it to ourselves and it doesn't matter we all still do it like if i audition for a thing and i'm like oh, i really want that and i don't hear back from it like of course i'm like i'm the worst actor in the world you know it's like it's what we do to ourselves but it's also the craziest mentality it makes no sense and casting directors are always rooting for you and if you put in a good audition they are excited and they're looking forward to the next one. And if you keep sending good stuff, I don't care if you send the same casting director 50 auditions and don't book anything. They're excited for your 51st. And eventually when you do book a thing with them, they're going to be like, hell yeah, we're so glad we could bring you in on this thing finally. And that's the thing is like that, that stuff starts to happen. You start to go like, oh, it's not me. It's 
there's so many of us. There's so many different pieces. There's so many X, Y, Z. And it's also like, it's not one person that gets to decide you're the thing. There's a casting director, there's producers, there's, you know, sometimes it could be like eight people that have to say yes for you to get one role. You know, it's crazy how it works. So I think the less of that you can like put on yourself, the more you can just focus on what's the audition in front of me and how do I just put myself into that the most and send it off? Like, that's all you have to worry about. The rest will, will resonate off of that and come to you. Sorry, that was a rant. No, you're good. <laughs> oh, it's your, it's so your show. It's I want to get a community question in here real quick. Uh, we have Lawrence, Lawrence Brenner, at Lawrence Brenner, uh, hey, Lawrence. who asks, <laughs> who asks, what's a silly line your characters have said that you can use in non-acting interactions? Kill you. Oh man, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Nothing. I wish. I sucks. I wish I had something good come to mind. I feel. I don't think I have anything like off the top of my head that I can remember. Plus, I feel like I most things I say in normal interactions are so bizarre that people are like, what? <laughs> I think I have yeah. that anyway. <laughs> I, I would have loved it if your answer was something stupid like, Cloud, have you killed Sephiroth? Like, I should, I'll have to go back and, and find a line for sure. Uh, well, I feel like we can probably get back to voice acting later on, but I want to know, I want to know you really quickly. I, I want to know what you like. I want to add no Ryan Colt Levine, Ryan Le Colt Levy, Ryan Colt Lacroix. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love this. You you've said you are a gamer. Oh, what yeah. is like your go-to type of game to play? Like what do you have five hours or not even five hours, like maybe two hours. I'm a big Any I'm I'm a big like especially lately I really love a lot of like indie like heavy story based games. Um I I just played Katana Zero for the first time. If you guys haven't played it, amazing. Like amazing game. And like I love like stuff like that, The Messenger, um Hollow Knight's my favorite game of all time basically. Uh um Oxen Free. I mean, I, there there's so many games of that kind of like I love that like weird eight sixteen bit kind of like really heavy narrative based um, weird mix of I, mean, I love RPGs. Uh, I'm still playing. I've been playing Persona Five for like almost a year. <laughs> um, Persona Five or Persona Five for real? The the first one. I actually it's oddly enough because I had never played it, and I and I decided to to finally download Persona Five. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties are always fun. I lost connection to Discord. Bear with me. Bear with me, everyone. We'll get situated. Hold on. Hold on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. It's all going downhill. It's all going downhill. Real quick. Real quick. Hold on. Hold up. So this is fun. This is what I was hoping wouldn't happen at all. Did I- Oh! Well, that was... something. Of course. 
Okay. Welcome to Simply Sassy, everybody, where everything goes to hell and back. Okay, give me one sec. It's so unique in every way. It's just such a special, weird experience, and it's so addictive, and it's so it's so way past the point of like necessity of of like you roll credits and you're just like you can't stop um i'm sorry guys i crashed i just lost like yeah. the past 45 seconds it was just, it was just all void i saw you i saw you crash too i saw you come back and you're just like no worries whatever like, we lost I... just let me know i'll i'll, I'll catch us back uh, you're talking about hades i think yeah wait are we back is that yeah, we're we're good now. It just yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were talking um, about like uh, Last of Us versus Hades, and, and it was only the forty-five seconds, right? Not not the entire episode. No, it was like Discord so itself too. just like crashed and had to reboot itself like for forty-five seconds or whatever. But we're good now. It's, it's so crazy too because in that forty-five seconds, he just like dropped the social security and doxed himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I try and do that for yeah, like once every chat. Um, no, I think Hades. I think Hades is the most unique experience, and it was so special. And and like Supergiant also as a like developer, they're so deserving. They're just so incredible. Um, I I loved Last of Us too because I I genuinely, I was really moved by the story in that game. Like completely understanding a lot of people not liking it. Like totally respect that. I personally had a really like moving experience with it. And I was, I was surprised at how much it moved me. Um, but I also, I'm one of those guys who like, I love experiencing art that like, like puts me in a crazy emotional state. Like I want to cry like a baby. Like, you know, I, I mean, Death Stranding was another one granted from last year that I know is like not most people's cup of tea, but for me, the experience of it and the kind of, a weird like loneliness of it spoke to me in a in a really big way and I, and I think that like I tend to just love stories and games that that push outside of the norm and I think that in a lot of ways last of us actually did that it pushed in weird uncomfortable places for people but Hades I think is just such a unique singular expression that like that to me I think I've got to go Hades Plus, the music is so banging. <laughs> the really cool fact about uh, Hades: the the sound designer, the guy who does all the music for that game, oh, Darren, actually, yeah, yeah, actually voiced Zagreus, which I yeah, thought, and was he also voiced Skelly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, Darren cool. Corb. He's he's amazing. He's their their sound designer, composer. He's a wizard, man. They're they're all amazing. They literally they're a team of like I think like fully expanded with like all the pieces you know they're probably like 20 some odd people but like super giant for the most part is like 11 people or something like that we're and amazing. we're actually working uh hopefully to get greg on the show greg Kasama. Awesome. um awesome. i don't i don't know if it's gonna happen yet but i i asked him out on twitter and he said hey send a message to the super giant team and you know we'll see what we can do thanks for thinking of me um so hopefully we'll get him on the show if we do i'll, I'll let you know <laughs> if you yeah, want man on. for sure that would be oh i would love to Are you kidding me i i yeah i i really i find them incredibly endearing as people too i had watched uh there's a great documentary that's actually about like the whole making of hades who's a bunch yeah, of no, different no videos clip. it's all on uh, yeah the no clip guys exactly yeah who those guys are amazing um 
but that documentary really endeared me to them because you really saw the the human side of their their not just experience making the game but their relationships with each other and um i actually have a couple of friends who are in the, who are in hades uh um one of my friends is um uh, uh do it name drop eurydice uh and uh eurydice and who's the other one she's um oh man i'm spacing now such a <laughs> dork is it but either way persephone or no yeah uh yes persephone and demeter also uh yeah. same same voice actress i don't know anything about the game just except for the fact that persephone's in the game that's it <laughs> Yeah, no, it's. I mean, they, it's it's such a cool and the, the the voice acting like all over that game is incredible. It is so, it is so like detailed in such a personal way. Like every character is so fully realized. They have such amazing personality, and the dialogue literally never ends. Like I have put in so much time into that game, and I'm like, are they still recording? Like it's crazy. It's like they're patching in dialogue. There's so much. I was about, I was about to say they're like. <sighs> Okay, weird side tangent. When I was a little kid, I thought there were like little people living in my radio, and they're there to performing the music, like live. That's a very David Lynch mentality. Uh, like they're just little people in your TV that are just performing it live. At the <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about uh, the design of Hades was the idea of making the gods uh, just ethnically different. They're not just a bunch of Greek yeah. dudes because. They're supposed to be the gods. They're supposed to represent humanity. And obviously humanity is bigger than just Greece. Uh, so I thought it was really cool that they decided to branch out and kind of let these characters represent themselves instead of just being tied to um, Greek myth. So really true. It, and it's one of those things that like they don't they don't hit you over the head with it either. They're not like, eh, they just, right. they just do it. And yep. you don't even, and like in a weird way, it's like, like you notice it, but you just, it just like is like oh yeah like it, it's just a thing and like that's kind of exactly what we do more in gaming and culture at large right it's like that's how you integrate this kind of stuff into the conversation where like you show that it's just we're all these things so and staying on that note i wanted to ask ryan if uh what is have you what is your experience with being typecast as a person of color in terms of doing voiceover versus anything on camera and if, if there's anything you have to say about that it's it's definitely been a trip because growing up i i really never felt um like i was i was looked at as a person of color in any way until 9/11 and then anybody who's even like remotely skews was suddenly just terrorist territory to people. So there was a really interesting, like, like overnight flip. I was like, oh, people do see me differently. I didn't realize that. And especially depending on, like, how much facial hair I would be rocking at any given point, you know. But um, I'm very lucky that in voiceover, there's kind of, like, this cool, weird mix where it's almost the opposite. Like, on camera, I was really... Uh, dissuaded at first because I was getting really uncomfortably typecast where like the stuff I would audition for whether it was just like on my own accord you know I would just throw myself in for anything and that wasn't based on what I looked like but when people would like 
approach me with an opportunity or an offer or something, it was always like mm. something that was like, like really the terrorist or like this or that, or like, it was all this stuff. I was like, man, like I, I don't, I get it. Like, but I don't get it. And I knew very quickly. I didn't want to be that actor. I didn't want to be that guy. And I'm not saying that, you know, all of those roles are the same kind of thing, but I didn't want to be the guy that was suddenly just associating myself with those kinds of parts. And um, so I, I really didn't have much on camera stuff at all, you know, because I wasn't getting any kind of other opportunity. And um, with voiceover, it's cool because it was the first time in a weird way, like I was getting typecast outside of what I looked like or sounded like I was getting typecast more for the attitude my voice gave off or you were. like, yeah, you know, or someone would, you know, cause like people talk to me and they're like, Oh, you're so nice. And then they see me and they, that I have tattoos and they're like, Oh, maybe he's edgy. Like, you know, and it's like all this, you know, it's, it's funny. But like, that's the stuff that will end up like typecasting you more in voiceover and stuff is like, it's a personality kind of thing. Um, and what's funny is I feel like, in animation and and uh you know video games and stuff there's actually very little representation of middle eastern actors and characters and stories it's it's so few that i'm actually in the other side of things here where i'm kind of like i'd like to see more of that and i would like to help contribute to that because in that end i feel like we're not we have we're we're open for stories that can you know do real good and and, and kind of spread a different kind of awareness um so i do i do like that i'm starting to see now more auditions for middle eastern characters and roles and parts and stories and things so that stuff is actually starting to come in more um because you know creative people are starting to fully realize like you know, the world is is <laughs> more than just a couple of cultures so it's it's been a cool mix lately what do you what do you mean? Like all the world is white, right? Al? <laughs> all the world is Christian. All the world is Christian. Like, Just like uh, my Europe. Booth. Yeah. Like all the world is Christian white, right? Al? Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Yeah, it's it's hard uh, because I think what like off the top of my head, I think of uh Rashid from Street Fighter Five. Mm -hmm. Um like that, that and that's like very recent. I mean, that's within the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, and that's the first most prominent character that pops on into my head. And and that's just, yeah, it's kind of sad. But it's nice to see that it's becoming more um acceptable and more diverse in the industry. I I feel like Yeah, it's oh sorry. No, no, go but, ahead. So you're gonna say. No, I, I was just gonna say we because Phil is like like she's more he's more native american than uh that politician i keep forgetting her name but like he's, he's, <laughs> he's like part native american uh and you're middle eastern and i'm mexican i feel like we go through like the same things in representation where it's like we want more representation of ourselves and then some white producers are like okay i have this cholo or i have this native american we're gonna call him a savage and i have this terrorist damn don't gotta call me out like that caesar right Shit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is the representation episode of Simply Sassy, by the way. There's never been this many people of color on screen. It's always a thing really? for me when I talk about um, how much Second Son affected me as, as being someone that, like, you know, wasn't necessarily just, like, in-your-face Native American. He just happened to be Native American. Even though the game kind of started on the, on the reservation side of it, um, it still didn't just, like, 
shove it down your throat. It was just this this guy that happened to be Native American and got superpowers. It was really cool. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think that it's you know, we're seeing and we're seeing we're seeing missteps just as much as we're seeing people do things right. You know, I, like I know obviously cyberpunk is having a lot of different issues right now, but I know that like. <laughs> A lot of their, you know, representing different, you know, people's, you know, orientations and preferences, you know, they were they were talking a big game about doing that respectfully. And, and it seems like that hasn't quite played out in the way that they've executed it. And I think a lot of people like as we're searching to create more representation and awareness and and reality and, and inclusion, there's going to be those missteps of, of people kind of like doing it the wrong way. Um, and then there's people who are making, you know, really beautiful versions of that. And I think we're we're in an interesting crux now where like I'm I'm happy that it's just part of the conversation at all because it means that we're going to find new voices to tell these stories the right way versus just like letting somebody else take over. I think we're finally getting to the point where like people are like, well, why is it all white dudes at the writer's table? Like why is it you know, like it's that's all changing. Why is it all white straight dudes that are <laughs> Christian Catholic at the writing table? Right, it's exactly. Like, you know, there's more than just it's just that. It, it, Elizabeth Warren, by the way. <laughs> um, real, real quick, I want to go back to uh, you kind of feeling uh, two thousand one and and the towers and everything. A uh, story from from my childhood um, that really kind of showed me how horrible people could be was uh, there was this um, group of store owners um, that you know were always so nice to the community, always giving back, you know, donated to um, school projects and and things like that, um, and really made themselves a pillar of the community. And then two thousand one happened. And all of a sudden, they were getting bricks through their windows and death threats saying, go back to your country. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is that they were Indian. That's exactly. That's like, the thing is, it just became a thing of no logic, just remote association by whatever people decide is just off color or this or that is. Yeah, yeah it's remote it's a, it's association by talk. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Phil, Which is crazy. So I saw that Hassan Minhaj comedy special too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this this is a real story from from yeah. my my town. Um, no, I believe it. Yeah, absolutely horrible. Um, anyway, yeah, let's yeah. let's move on to better things like that Hollow Knight plushie. I know you keep by your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to? You want me to find? Hold on, it's up here. For 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 reference, before we started recording, Bill asked yes. Brian, "Do you have your Hollow Knight plushie?" Got the nail also. Magne I, the nail's like magnetic, so it it actually like. Oh, that's oh, actually sick. Yeah, this this is my pride and joy, man. A friend of mine, um, he uh he sent this to me because he used to work for what was the name of the company that that made this? Fan Gamer. Uh, he used to work for great for, company. Yeah, and uh, he hit me up like a little over a year ago and was like, "I know how much you like this game. I'm gonna send you a little thing." And he and this came in the mail, and I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> so, and it's funny because I'm not a plushie guy. Like, I don't, I don't like collect plushies or anything like that. But this guy is like, 
my little my little hero so i keep him in the booth with me i'm i'm a little sad because uh silk song since the pandemic ah. has gone completely dark like i don't i'm know... go ahead no i'm i'm hopeful because i feel like they've been they're they're really smart team cherry about like they're quiet until they're not you know and they've they've been one of those shining examples of like we know the game's coming out but they haven't bothered to like do those like little updates because they're like what's the point you know i'm sure that they're doing everything that they can i'm sure stuff has halted a bit but i i have to assume that like they're just waiting to to do the big drop next because they've given us everything we could possibly need to know at this point like we don't need to know they're working on it more you know i right. do i want to play it yes but yeah and also knowing their caliber like it's going to be incredible whenever it comes out i i always i always temper my expectations because when we were waiting for hollow knight to come to the switch they were really um you know quiet about it until like really had something to say um and so I knew I knew that it was going to be a wait, but yeah, looking at their Twitter real quick, March thirty first was their last tweet up until their most recent one, which was November twentieth. But it's all like retweets of like humble bundle right. and fan gamer stuff, and I'm like, ah. Um, yeah, but yeah, they, they're just they're just staying quiet, and it's you know, especially the thing is now it's so interesting being on my end now being part of making these things even just in some capacity it's so different than just being on the receiving end of this stuff because you realize how many different pieces go together how time and expectancy works differently how even when things are quiet on one side they're really noisy on the other side like you know it may seem like nothing is happening but i guarantee you everything yeah, is happening and that's the that's the really interesting part about it I also imagine they have contracts with like fan gamer. It's like you need to retweet or tweet about this product when it releases or whatever. I would imagine like uh, oh for sure with that stuff. Guys. But and and when they do the thing about like when they do finally drop news on it, like they're gonna go big and people are gonna go crazy for it. So you know instead of doing this like slow bleed, because I'm sure the information isn't gonna be that you know worth trickling in at this point. Um, they gave us so much on that initial like trailer the reveal trailer showed so much and i'm sure that there will you know there will be changes too but i i played hollow knight for the first time on the switch so i i came to it later after it had already been out for a while and i i still think i mean it's just even just mechanically like the actual controls are some of the tightest like most incredible controls i've ever played in any game so they're their caliber of of what they clearly demand of their own work is so high that I will always wait for the finished product, you know, because I like I, I've never been a person who's like, make it come out now because like, look at cyberpunk, you know, like I'm of the mind, like give them a whole other year. Like, who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. especially there's so many games to play. You know? Yeah. We, we had a small conversation on this and it's hard because you have like I just noticed that the game is published by Warner Brothers for Cyberpunk. Oh, interesting. Um, and it makes me wonder if it was more of an investor call, yeah, shareholders thing. Yeah, I'm sure to some degree it was because it. This is this is not gonna look good for for 
you know, CD Projekt Red as a as a developer, like in the eyes of people, right? Like people are going to look at this and be like, well, they they didn't respect us as consumers in all the different ways. And, or you know, before this game came out, they had a totally different, you know, public uh, perception, right? People were like, they're the, they're, you know, they're there for the gamer. And I don't think that they're not. I just think that we're in a weird state of demand and, and how this stuff works. And, you know, they're, they're an example, I feel like, of the opposite, where, like, they were constantly giving people information and updates, and I feel like that pisses people off more than it does, you know, let them prepare for stuff. Like, I like forgetting about things and then them surprising me. It's like when you order something in the mail, and it takes a little longer than expected, so you kind of just forget, and then eventually it shows up, and you're like, oh, right, sweet, instead of, like, <laughs> just getting mad every day that it isn't in your mailbox. Yeah. Um, oh. Go ahead, I was going to say, no, I have the reverse where I just forget about stuff and instead of a surprise, I'm pissed off because it's like, it was an actual commitment I had like yesterday, Ben had a charity stream and I just slept through it. Uh, I just like, I just like <laughs> and that's not even the first time I did that. <laughs> and it's not even the first time I did that with Ben either. Like, it's, I've done that so many Aww. times. Um, ben. So Going back to, to getting to know Ryan, uh, we asked kind of what your favorite video game stuff was, but uh, what about your favorite movie? Oh, boy. Um, so tough. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, instead of saying favorite movie, I'm going to give you a list of like directors because <laughs> I'm the worst. Because uh, I've never been good at picking a one thing. Um, I love I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, he like I mean anything from The Master to Boogie Nights, you know, you name it, they're all perfect. Punch to me. Drunk Love, Punch Drunk Love is extraordinary. Um, I mean Philip Seymour Hoffman. Anything with Philip Seymour Hoffman is a win. Um, you know what? Screw it. I'll give you a number one movie. May he rest in peace. Just throwing it out there. Oh, dude, I cried so hard. Oh, rest in peace, man. Philip Seymour Hoffman, the king. Um, if I really had to pull a movie out of my ass as like one that I think of, like, just does it for me like that, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Ooh, I think that is pick. a perfect film. I think it is the ultimate relationship film, uh, both as a couple and as an individual. I think it's an incredibly deep look into self-love and and love of others and um and it's also just beautifully made and so psychedelic and weird everyone's performances are amazing but it also has one of the greatest last lines in movie history i think um it just it, it's probably not a spoiler we've all seen it the movie's out for a long time right yeah, we've all now. Seen but when uh when they have that you know <laughs> when we have you know they're, watch it later. they're like they're like final argument um when the house is crumbling around them and she's like you're gonna hate me and it's never gonna work and all this stuff and blah 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 blah, blah. and he just looks at her and he goes okay and then she looks at him back and she goes okay like that destroys me every time because that to me is the most like beautiful positive like it ends on such an up note and the first time i saw it i was young and i i remember thinking because there's that weird like repeat cut at the end and i and at first i i left thinking it was like on a down note and since watching it so many times since i've i've come to realize it's such a beautiful positive film about like 
it's the so what we're we're gonna be imperfect we'll have arguments we won't we're not we're not gonna be ideal because there is no ideal but i love you regardless and that is everything so that's my favorite movie. It's on Netflix, and right now it's like at a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. On Netflix now. 93% of Google users like it, so that's always a lot. <laughs> Shout out to uh, my OU co-host, Erica. That's her favorite movie. Uh, Michelle Gondry, oh, yeah. check out Be Kind, Rewind, and uh, The Science of Sleep. Phenomenal movie. So, yeah. uh, Ryan. It's also the first time I think I, I was turned on to uh, Mark Ruffalo. He has a small part in that. And I was like, who's yeah, this dude? He's, he's awesome. Done. I mean, I'm always trying to talk Mark Ruffalo, but that's a different story. Uh, uh, Ryan, really quickly, what has been like your favorite production to work on, and why is it Robot Chicken? Hey, I found another song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so Robot Chicken, I didn't work on in any fun capacity. I, uh, I, I worked uh, for for Stupid Buddy Studios for a couple of years, who who makes uh, Super Mansion and and Robot Chicken, a few things, and they're awesome. They're great people, but I I wasn't working in like a very creative position at the time I was at that studio, so I was uh, just happy to to hang around and be there amongst all the amazing talent. Um, my favorite thing that I'm I I've worked on. I'm actually still working on it. Um. But we, it's odd because we've announced it, but we don't quite know where it's. Oh, I think he froze. Uh -oh. oh, no. Hello? Oh, no. Should we, should we lost her. Are you there? Oh, okay, you're back. He's you're back. back. You're back. back. And he's back. That, back. That's crazy. <laughs> that was he the just, biggest cliffhanger. He just dropped five up and seven. I don't he know if it's been announced yet, but. <laughs> He just dropped like the biggest tease in the world and it's gone. Um I, I I will say that there's there's a show I'm working on now called Droners that uh it isn't officially released yet, but we've been starting to trickle out news about it. Um but it's a really cool animated series and it's it's got a lot of like environmental stuff in it and a lot of multicultural stuff and the characters are really interesting and fun. Um and I think it's going to be really, really, really wild when it actually starts to air. So I'm looking forward to that. But it's like, it's one of the first times I've had to really dig in with a character for a full season uh, that is valuable to the show at this level um, versus just being like side characters. You know, this is the first like real long-term commitment and everyone on the show is so great uh, that I'm, I'm just super excited for that one. That's awesome. Yo, the animation Sorry, is sick. Sorry, oh, dude, it's gonna be, no, it's gonna be <laughs> wild. Yeah, it's gonna be real wild. Uh, so, do we know what sort like, of networks uh, it's coming to? Sorry, do we know what networks and places it's coming to? So that's the interesting thing. Is currently, uh, we're not we're not a hundred percent sure on where it's landing here in the states yet. So I'm mm -hmm. I I'm I've yet to like been like this is where you could find it. And I believe me, I will scream it from the mountains when it's time <laughs> because. I'm well, so excited about this one. Will it ever hit New Zealand, unlike the Animaniacs reboot? No. <laughs> Did that not hit New Zealand? No. no. There's, the funny, there's actually a really funny video where it's like Yakko's world, but it's only the countries where you can see the Animaniacs reboot in, and it's only the United States and Japan. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Like, everything That's else so is just Yakko dancing. Like, it's just... It's... So do you, do you have to, like, VPN to watch it then? It won't even let me do that. <laughs> That's, that's right. One day, one day, it'll probably eventually be ported to Prime. I think eventually one day here. Yeah, Amazon Prime. Yeah, crazy. yeah we just it's, got um, yeah. Spring Break. Oh, what is it? Spring Break? No, not Spring Break. Um, 
Palm Springs, the Andy Sandberg one. We just got that last week. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's so interesting that it comes out that way. I I didn't realize that it's so detached. Mm, I think it's just Hulu stuff for some reason. Everything else we get pretty pretty early. So it's, mm. I think it's Hulu and HBO Max are just very uh, not very friendly with international distribution. Like they have to find a different. Like, it's almost like they have to get syndicated into a different distribution thing. Like unlike something like Netflix, which will just be released globally everywhere. It is crazy how yeah. convoluted it can all get. It, like, even for me, I try and, like, at a certain point, I'm like, I don't get it, and I just back off. I'm like, I don't have to worry about this part. <laughs> yeah. So, can you bring up the trailer for this? This looks amazing. Have you got, have you got the trailer on you? Yeah. Yeah, dude, the artwork is wild. It's, it's from this French animation studio that Producer they're just absolutely up. incredible. Mr. Producer Gage can bring it up. Okay, <laughs> sweet. Uh, um, while we're waiting for that, just a quick, um, quick question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, because um, obviously we've, we've been online <laughs> season. Um, so obviously we've been online friends for a little while now. One thing I really appreciate is just how positive you are on Twitter and how you're always encouraging others. Oh man! Um, and one thing, um, especially is obviously that people may or may not know, but you're obviously a kind of funny best friend, um, which leads into my next question. So. We obviously know if you've watched the shows previously, Greg Miller, he's everywhere at all times. I don't know how he does it. What a lot all our guests so far. <laughs> so my question is I've had this theory where I thought maybe he was an android or a clone of some kind. We've had Nick say that he's possibly a demon. We had Blessing uh, the other week say that he may be some sort of doppelganger. Um I'd love to know your theory on how mm. Greg can be in so many places at once. I mean, the only possible answer is I just think that he is, he is true. Uh, here's the thing. So many other things involved in how we've experienced Greg has, has shown me that he is purely <laughs> his own thing in every way. I think uh, he is simply an organism that is past anything we've ever seen before. I think he is, I think Greg Miller is a, he is just purely a Greg Miller, and we have never experienced one thing like this, and that's why he is capable of doing it. I think it is a, a whole other kind of species. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer, love it. <laughs> um, but I guess seriously, I'll... like he's he's incredible. Like the the chicken nugget video that he did. <laughs> like I I don't know if I don't I, like I know that he's kind of starting to do some stuff where he's dipping his toes into like you know some some more acting work to a little degree but yeah. like that dude is a phenomenal performer his commitment to anything his a thousand percent commitment never forget like, what i, I hope and if he if he like even remotely sees this like dude greg i hope you know man you are a phenomenal actor truly yeah he's incredible I oh, he won't watch this he doesn't watch anything we're on I would yeah, like to have the, last one. the chart last week. He was on the last one. <laughs> and he. All uh, right. And I have a question. Wait, I, I want to point out real quick for, for Greg, you can check him out in Mike Biffle's new joint, The Solitaire. Oh, yeah. The Solitaire. Yeah. You yes. want to see him do some, oh. do some acting chops? <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you have a question? Because Greg needs to help. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> this might. <laughs> it's more uh, about myself. Like... Hey, Caesar. <laughs> Oh, he's desperate for help. Yeah, Mike Bethel. <laughs> Sorry. All I'm right, just... this might sound like an acting question, but it's more of a Ryan question. So you get a season order for a 12-episode 
animated show and you get to voice the main character and it can be from any franchise gaming movies what have you what do you go with it's a dream sort of tv show that you can do the main character role for oh i'm totally going blade runner nice yeah totally going blade runner i i want to live in that world so bad in a you know it's the it's like the ideal private detective, like human soul. What is the meaning of life? Technology, like it's all the things. And I love a good noir. So to me, think, that would be the ultimate. I think that's one of the reasons why cyberpunk for me is like hitting, but not hitting at the same time, because I want to exist in that cyberpunk style universe. But like, I want to play like my own kind of story and like that whole noir yeah. side of it would be so cool. Well, it's interesting that cuz cuz you know, it's weird like I'm not a big first person game player, so Cyberpunk as much as like the world really enticed me, I've had very little impetus to want to play the game cuz it's not how I like playing games. Um but it's interesting because in theory, I would think that that would have been the approach as like, be anyone you want in this world and like fully experience it. But it seems like it's a lot more on rails than not, um, which is kind of a bummer, you know, because I definitely. I definitely have that fantasy of like, you know, the, the cyberpunk world to just be able to like free flow in or, or have your story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Blade Runner to me was always like. There's a sophistication in Blade Runner that I find really interesting because of what the conversations are about in in narrative versus cyberpunk seems like window dressing, you know, for like an experience. I'm glad my imaginary hypothetical situation can give you what cyberpunk failed to give you. (laughs) (laughs) Cyberpunk failed on a lot of fronts. That's Uh, one of them. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go, there you go, Naughty Dog Cyberpunk game. Get Ryan in the game. Let's make it. It's Naughty Dog. Oh, Naughty yeah. Dog. Oh. You've just they confused all the developers. Yeah, <laughs> they need something to work. They need something to work on. Nintendo, you know, you know what to do. I mean, <laughs> we don't know what they're doing after Last of Us Part Two. No. Maybe, maybe it's a cyberpunk narrative-driven. I love the juxtaposition from like The Last of Us Part Two. Very gritty, very dramatic, very heartbreaking story. To I'll tell you what, man. Goofy robots in the future. I'll tell you what, I, I actually I was talking about it with a friend recently because I'm so excited to see what Naughty Dog does next because I don't think they're going to go back to the well for more Last of Us for a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. I, I genuinely don't think we need any more. And I and I'm coming from a place of like I loved part two. I feel like uh-huh. it's the it's like Sopranos, like it's always going to end with there being more story to tell because it's designed around life goes on and whatever you decide to end it with, like there's going to be more life. Just like when the first game ended, like, yeah, you could end it there, but obviously there was the option of more story to tell. So I think it's that thing of like, could they keep making them? Sure. But I think this story said so much about even the ripple effect of what three or a four could theoretically do. And another thing of like, I mean, how many years has Naughty Dog now committed to this one world, this one universe, this one state of mind? Like, there's a certain point at which, even just as creative people, you're ready to branch off and do something else, you know? 
songwriters don't want to write the same album over and over and over again. You know, so there's I'm really hoping and excited for the idea of like a naughty dog game in space or like a naughty dog game around like something told just new characters, new world, new experience and like their level of storytelling and performance and nuance, but just give me something new that's so exciting. Could be I Blade guess... Runner, you know, just say uh... be what? I guess could be Blade Runner. It would explode. I, guess, I would explode. What, what I meant to say was more along the lines of like, didn't didn't they make like the Uncharted games? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. like they have a trend of like the adventure in the forest type game, like. But that, which is all the more reason why, like, I can see. Oh yeah, that'd like, be exciting. Well, It'd be exciting if like they just yeah. did something in the future where it's yeah. like. And like the thing is, they have you know their world building skills, their mechanics, like all the stuff that they do are great. So it's like it's not like they have to change, you know, reinvent the wheel of like gameplay. I think I think what Naughty Dog does best personally is it's how they tell a story. It's the performances they get. It's the that's where they are at their strongest. Like their actual gameplay mechanics are wonderful to me, but like it's not like they're know changing the game in that way they're doing things that, like Gage? yeah like yeah something about oh get into it please get into it gauge i'm with you i'm with you 100 percent. and so is right gauge treated out like uh, Naughty Dog games are not fun, essentially. No, 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 no. Gage no, said, I, uh, gameplay-wise, uh, 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 technically, they're not as good as they are story-wise. I've always loved Naughty Dog games. Like they, I've always kind of put Naughty Dog on a pedestal. But Gage is also a developer. Well, that's a stretch. I'm trying to be. I'm still learning. But um, being a couple months removed from The Last of Us Part Two, like I have my issues with it. I like a lot about it. There's a lot that I don't like. There was a couple uh, story elements that I feel like if they would have spent literally one day rewriting, I would have believed what happened way more than what actually happened. Uh, but that's for sure, for sure, I a know whole other whole other conversation. But the thing that I kind of started to realize the more I thought about it was Naughty Dog makes incredible stories that are accompanied by. Uh, somewhat mediocre gameplay that is great the first time because it's like oh i can't wait to see what happens but then upon trying to replay right like, it's it's part of the experience yeah like i love uncharted 2 and uncharted 4 like i think 2 is probably my favorite naughty dog game ever 4 is is uh the opening of 4 with jumping like uh, <sighs> around like hiding in the it's the, so good at night in the you know the escape yeah like for sure but i yeah. i totally agree with you yeah. like i'm i'm on board with that like the mechanics are it's funny because I actually played the first Last of Us game years after. Like I, I came to it late. Um, so by the time I had played it, I was like, I really love this story and I'm really enjoying this game, but like Joel is stiff, like he is clunky right. to use, like I'm not having a great time. Yeah. And how I felt like they How many yeah. years after? Because I think I can beat you on that one. I played it like almost two years okay. ago. It was like it was like pretty recent. Right, I, I played I played that after Last of Us Two came out. So oh wow <laughs> oh well that's crazy. <laughs> just just real quick, the exact tweet is oh god. Here's a controversial opinion: <laughs> Naughty games aren't fun to play. Their narratives are great, but only worth a single playthrough because the gameplay is usually a repetitive bore fest. I used to hold Naughty Dog on a pedestal, but recently I've wanted to replay their games, and I tried. And wow, 
I was bored as hell. <laughs> it's even true, my though. beloved Uncharted Two couldn't keep my attention anymore. That's the thing. So, it's like as much as I loved them, like the first time playing, especially back in the day, I feel like the Uncharted games were excellent. But now, having played things like like 2018's God of War, where something as simple well, as God of War, calling God back, of War is a masterclass. Yeah, in every way. But it's like something as simple as calling back the Leviathan axe, and the fact that it's acts so simple like that felt so well, satisfying. Well, I think that's the thing is it's that's the thing though is it's not simple right like it's simple when we're like in our mind we're like oh yeah you throw a thing you catch it like like of course that's a simple idea but like to make it work right and feel right and actually be what it was that's fucking crazy difficult you yeah know? yeah i brought so that I up last that's what's week. so interesting i brought that up last week about the avengers where thor has the same ability but it just it doesn't it doesn't hit like it should but there you go and and yeah. talk about like flawless game mechanics uh hollow knight and hades man like perfect i mean hades any weapon you use the second you understand how to use it you feel the weight of it you know how to manage yourself like it's a it's a constant shifting sense of mechanics that are always gifting you new ways to play um especially when you extraordinary like the boons and everything yeah it's um, extraordinary. It's it's such a dense system of mechanics and and playability and creativity. So I'm I'm all with you, and I and I do think that like you know it's like I I was saying anyways that I think Naughty's strength is story, yeah. but you know to double down on that like outside of who I I also think you know Santa Monica. I'm so excited for for God of War two because Corey Absolutely. is a is an extraordinary director. That whole team is incredible. Yeah, they are clearly putting so much heart into it um but like they they and naughty dog i really think like collectively story-wise are are doing the best work on that level you know even with someone like i i adore kojima and i really loved death stranding but like the story falls apart in for so many different reasons and it's like it's kind of an ideal story for me like all the stuff that it's about like it's so what i want but I felt like it wasn't executed in a way that had the real weight by the end of it. Whereas when I played Last of Us Part Two, I actually finished it and literally played through it again immediately because the emotion of it was so profound that I was like, I need to now, especially because of the way the game plays, I was like, I need to play this again, like really see all the pieces from the start and like really get the the you know the little nuances of everything. And it was such a rewarding emotional playthrough. I I do think that they've refined things more. It is smoother. It's more fun to play part two than it is part one, you know, even remastered. But I agree, like, you know, that's... You don't necessarily play them for, like, constant repetitive gameplay. Right. Like, run through this segment, shoot these guys, run through this... Yeah, it's... That's the that's my biggest thing with uh with Uncharted was that felt more egregious there like Uncharted felt more like shoot the guys run here it was like a set piece every yeah. like ten minutes yeah so so what I'm hearing is like Gage likes his naughty narrative more than mechanics sorry gonna... what did what did he say he likes his naughty narrative more than he likes his naughty mechanics sorry I'm just gonna <laughs> <laughs> take note um real quick though. Now, Shout out to Dragon's said, Dogma. I can't forget this you, episode. Dragon's Dogma. Go play it. <laughs> you said God of War 2, but is it actually God of War 2? Because Tim Gettys would have you believe that God of War Ragnarok might be more of a uh, Miles Morales sort of game. 
That'd be interesting. Well, I I I haven't seen uh, what what Tim was talking on what he what he what tips uh, he may have been given as to think that just just toss the cat. <laughs> we just man handle it. We, we don't um, want to get canceled too. <laughs> yeah, there was there was very like. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was a company, but like wow. Um, uh, I'm curious because I mean, look, I'm up for anything that that sony santa monica wants to put out it's going to be amazing just like miles was amazing like i don't know if you guys played it i i played through it recently and i was like this game is incredible like it's uh, i w- i don't need any more than this um i i wonder if that is the idea and like then they're going to long-term work on part two you know or or the sequel or whatever or if they were already you know, there, there's that element of like if they're using the same engine, if they're doing all the same to some degree, things can be streamlined a lot quicker than the production of the first game. But they totally could do that with the story. I mean, it, it's it's sort of like the the post credit scene is really what makes it go like, well, do they just go from there? The other question I thought is, do they? do they pick it up right from that moment or do they like jump ahead a couple of years? Like, is a trace going to be like a teenager, you know, like I'm kind of curious how they play that all out. Yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. That post credit scene was so <laughs> hype. It was so good. Oh yeah. The, uh, that game. And it's funny. Cause like I'd never played a God of war game before that. And I remember, you know, I was always like, I always remembered the commercials from the other games. Cause they were really great commercials, like selling all, you know, from two to whatever with like, you know, him and his wife and his daughter, like turning into the ash on him and everything. But the actual games always seemed like, so not my kind of thing where it was just like, dude, yeah, killing stuff. And like, you know, like very, just like, <laughs> it was like the man rock of video games. And, you know, to me, it was like, that's cool, but like, it's not my, my thing. And this, from the first moment, you know, where he's cutting down the tree, you're like, oh, this is what this is. And it it's so powerful. And, and Christopher, his performance is on another level, man. <laughs> I haven't played. I, it's backwards. Sorry. I forgot about that. Whoops. <laughs> I haven't played that before, so I took off my headphones. Well, um, oh, oh. <laughs> Got you. Well, I we didn't. I didn't. I don't think I threw in any spoilers, but I will say you owe it to yourself to play it, and you don't need to play the other games. You can just start with this one. The original games were were great action games, but if you wanted like that sort of action, like Devil May Cry and stuff like that, was where I wanted to be. Like the God of War. I played the hell out of Bayonetta for that reason. Yeah, yeah. Bayonetta was great. Yeah. Um, but I'd much rather play that sort of action game than something like uh, the original God of Wars. I yeah, just, well, I... Oh, no, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I just feel like you're like Phil's long-lost like, brother or something, because you have like, <laughs> different games. Well, well, I think, you know, the thing about... about The reason why like it works for me with like Bayonetta is because that game is so self-aware and funny and silly, and like it's works in that like over the top hack and slash kind of thing where it's not macho at all it is so like isn't this ridiculous you know and you're like yeah it is hell yeah but i i'm such a now in this day and age when when games are so cinematic and they can take you to that level like that is so much more attractive to me as a storytelling thing so 
like with a studio like like Santa Monica, they're never going to go backwards from here. They're they're now in such a high they're the top tier echelon of quality of storytelling of of nuance and they're now it's like now they're expected to deliver the unexpected you know instead of be what they're known for yeah i'm i'm a little worried about cory barlog's mental health because the, <laughs> the anticipation for this next entry is gotta be so absolutely- heavy mind-numbing and heavy for him and he already like had such a huge challenge bringing god of war back into the limelight like i i don't want to know what that kind of pressure is like yeah i can't imagine i mean that and that first documentary uh raising kratos is one of my favorite documentaries i i've seen it so many times i think it's such a love letter to anybody who's ever tried to make anything because you just so immediately understand the struggle of what it's like to have to do something that you love and that five-year journey that they went through from moving studios to all kinds of stuff to shelving another side project that they had there's so much heartbreak and so much triumph and so much of everything and and you hear from so many different facets of the development team about all of their hurdles of, of just creating that that game that now you know all of that is like they're coming into this with all of that confidence and strength and joy of like we've got this thing under our belt but also the weight of like oh my god how do we even remotely touch that again and how do we make fans happy and how do we how do we bring this you know into a new fold it's the pressure must be insane but um but he's such a i i I mean, I don't know the dude personally, but like the way that he carries himself both on social media and in any way I've seen him, like he's so gracious and he's so, he's got such a like chill, wonderful attitude that so like, it makes me, and I think, I think a lot of us feel this way. It's like, it makes you feel good knowing he's the guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Especially in that documentary, it's so raw just seeing so you know, what he goes through, especially from beginning to end. Um, yeah. It kind of surprises me that PlayStation can actually let them um, put that out there because, yeah. man, there's some stuff in there that, <laughs> yeah, definitely, I won't spoil it, but you definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's great. Oh, yeah, and and not just him. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Shannon and, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. a lot of the, like, even producers, like everyone that normally a lot of people would either just have no comprehension exists, you know, or think of like, they're the suits or whatever, you know, and you, mm. the curtain is pulled back and you see all of these people as, as humans and, and their passion for what this is. And it's uh, the, I think the reason that documentary works so well is because you genuinely see what, like that documentary shows you why the game is what it is. Those mm. people made that game, you know? And it also shows you either that a game can be, or what was considered at the time, you know, not to be a great game at all. In fact, uh, was it Shu, wasn't it, that said that he didn't like it at all? <laughs> he wasn't, like, Corey was struggling to win him over and then to oh, yeah, from yeah, where yeah. it was into one of the greatest games of all time. Like, it's unreal what the difference time can make. And, yeah. Well, I think a crazy thing, too, is, like, I don't think people realize how, even when games are, like, about to be released, like, how right before they're about to come out, they could be, like, so broken. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, like most games are probably looking and feeling like how cyberpunk you know feels to people now but like like i bet you there are points where god of war felt like that to them and they were like oh my god oh my god oh you know like so it's it's crazy how this stuff comes together at all and i i 
Yeah, my hat's off to any development team, man. Like these guys, whether they're working through crunch or not, like they're all such rock stars. Like the the stuff that these people are doing is so beyond my comprehension. It I goes would... back to like, oh, sorry, what were you gonna say? Uh, I was just gonna say, I always say it's magical, like it's cyber magic that they they these games. <laughs> they're even... wizards, man. Total because, wizards. I mean, they're working on them up through the very point that they're released and beyond. And, and beyond, you know, yeah. All these things come together and work, and we get to have these amazing experiences that, in in all reality, shouldn't exist by like, you know, uh, all the work that's put into them. Yeah, it's man. just video games are, are amazing. I I will never I will never be that guy who is you know bitter <laughs> towards developers or or any kind of delay or anything. I'm I'm always going to be an advocate of like push the release because I mm-hmm. believe in the mental health and physical health of these people making these things. And you know, time is so funny where like if you look if you try and look ahead three months, it feels like it's going to take forever. But if you looked back three months, it's instantaneous. And it's that thing of like, you know, whenever a game gets released, it's released then, and then you can play it. Anticipation is is like this weird, can be such a weird toxic thing um, for no reason. You know, I think that you'd rather play the thing and enjoy it versus like have this constant state of like turmoil and aggression and whatever it is like nobody wants to play a game to be pissed at it and nobody wants Mm -hmm. to put out a bad game so we have to somehow find a way to like whether it's shareholders or this or that or society or the fans and all this stuff like everyone has to start understanding that like games are going to take more time especially now and we would rather have something that all these people can put their time and heart and soul into healthily that we can play and celebrate versus like, you know, the different versions of, of messes and, and arguments we have now. And it's never going to be perfect, but yeah, I'll, I'll always advocate for, for pushing a game versus crunch. I think that's kind of a magical moment to kind of end on. (laughs) <laughs> I, think that's, yeah, sure. I don't know i don't know how we can top that that's <laughs> that beautiful oh man thank you guys so much for having me this is such a fun hang i'm oh, on yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for coming, coming on, on. It's been awesome. yeah, thank you for coming on yeah you following ben was the most awesome thing to happen otherwise this wouldn't exist oh, yeah, don't talk. i, I so, appreciate I just... you guys so much it's a give and take. You, know, you have to see milk mommy photos, but you get to be on a podcast. <laughs> oh no, dude! It's like I love seriously. Like all of any time, like in my feed, one of these crazy Photoshop things show up. I it makes my day. Like I'm cracking up constantly. You guys well, are brilliant. If you get the chance, check out our our simply sassy not KFAF Photoshop challenge because you get to see a lot more of it. <laughs> Amazing! I will watch that later for sure. <laughs> No, uh, thanks so much, Ryan. That's been uh, just awesome. And yeah, once again, just a huge thank you for everything you do in the community with, um, like, especially on Twitter, just being so positive and always putting positive messages out there. And I know you support a lot of people in the voice acting community. And yeah, just thanks for everything you do. Appreciate you, my friend. You guys, you guys are all wonderful. And I, I will happily hang anytime with you. So please let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I guess right now is like 15 seconds to sell whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> you might want to rephrase. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about this car. Um, <laughs> so, it's like, if there's any, if there's anything you want to direct people towards.
you know, I don't have anything. Uh, all, all the stuff that I I want to promote, I can't promote just yet. So uh, I will just I'll just shamelessly plug myself. You can you can find me on Twitter and all the stuff uh, at Ryan Colt Levy. I think I'm on Instagram at Ryan Colt. So you just chop off the last name. But uh, yeah, I'm always chop around to, to be a goofball. Um, chop off. Yeah. Can you can you tell us when you're going to be playable in Genshin Impact yet, or is that still under wraps? I I wish I I wish I had an answer for that myself. Right now, you can find me as a few random, uh, you know, NPCs and stuff all over the game. But uh, I will let you know when when there there will be some stuff. Well, I, what I will say is, twenty twenty one, you'll be able to uh, have a lot more fun with me. Oh, <laughs> oh is that a promise oh. or a threat? Is that... <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, one last question, because you are a Final Fantasy remake. Remake. Uh, I have to ask you this. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Are you gonna be in Smash? Am I gonna be in Smash? <laughs> and are you gonna kill Mario or almost kill Mario? Dude, that image, that image is so good. So funny. No, but again, thank you for coming on. It was a blast. Thank you guys. Thank you, thank you so much. Much love to you, friends. Stay safe. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the weekend, and and we will talk soon. And uh, for the viewers and listeners, thank you for listening to Out of Our League, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, we, we'll explain who we are some other day. <laughs> <laughs>